Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pan Series, hey, George. Uh, so lovingly named by my buddy Daniel here, uh, who will be a, a second uh, mm-hmm. time host or guest. I guess you're a guest on the podcast. Um, but since he happens to spark so much of the conversation that Aww. I feel needs to happen, uh, I, I'm going to call him an honorary host of the podcast. Basically, yeah, if I'm ever in a conversation that you want to be ah, nice. featured in, maybe uh, we can throw you in and we can both be listening and having a chat with the third person. Um, right, right. Yeah, but I mean, because this podcast is about having authentic conversations, right? So, yeah. So, um, yeah, welcome to the podcast, guys. Uh, Daniel and I were having a conversation about attachment styles, and we both had two different, you know, models of talking about attachment style from like books that we'd read. And I was realizing um that i had felt some very intense things and i you had do. some maybe very poignant things to say i don't know if i have poignant <laughs> things to say but i i had things that felt important for me to get off my fucking chest guys um so here you go uh daniel and i were talking about attachment styles and i was talking about the pain I was in, right? I'm grieving a little bit. Uh, the uh, loss of a, a plan, right, that I had with a person. I had a vision for what uh, we were going to accomplish and achieve. And I realized in the, in the moments of, like, dealing with this while talking to Daniel, uh, how, uh, and I was saying this yesterday in a, in a, post that I was writing on Instagram and in a poem that I had written and in a second poem that I had written and it felt important to point out that people the thing that I think really binds people together are stories the stories that we have in common tell us that we can be friends with somebody they tell us that a stranger is our is our Christian brother they tell us that uh, a foreigner is you know a citizen of our nation and that we should be uh, supportive of them and their rights it tells us that uh, people with similar genitals to us understand our experience more uh, sort of viscerally um, literally probably than somebody who has different <laughs> genitals right because they don't know what it's like to have this experience or they could never imagine what it's like to carry this kind of burden um, they've never had to deal with it on a personal level, maybe. Right. Uh, but I think that's the whole thing, right? Because all stories are derivative from, uh, meanings made, right. It's all, it's all semantic. So people can identify with pain because pain exists and people can identify with happiness because happiness exists. People can identify with duty. And it's, it's interesting how, uh, we like to look at people based on stories mm. and we like to look at the stories that, uh, yeah. we believe that they have based on their appearances. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think that it's really important in the era of social media to recognize that the story that a person is presenting you is different than the story that they are living, right? And the story that a person is um, trying to to present you isn't necessarily a, a means of attempting to deceive you, but we don't always know everything about ourselves, right? And we literally can't know everything about ourselves. We literally spend like a third of our time unconscious of ourselves, right? We're asleep. So I guess what I really wanted to say was um, we often 
hear people mm. tell us their stories, but I don't know that we often understand the moral. That's interesting. Um, well, uh, at the what beginning, I, that, I, it, uh, I thought it was interesting how you said you, you were grieving the loss of a plan. And, and I thought that was really insightful. Um, cause yeah, I think that's very relatable. Um, but also, I mean, I also think you're, you're grieving the loss of, of a, a person. Is, is, is that fair to say? I wouldn't say you're wrong. I would say that I I decided to use the term grieving the loss of a plan because I was realizing that one, I don't make plans super often. Um, I, I very much try to like, you know, flow and like, you know, be in it. And I try to take it uh, one day at a time and just sort of trust the process and where that is leading me, guiding me. And what I discovered right. was that it's not that the person is lost or gone, right? We're still friends. Uh, we still talk. But what has happened is that I had this uh, yeah. vision of all of the wonderful things that we would be able to do together. And I had to let go of those plans, at least for the time. And having to let go of those plans made me have to, you know, you're right, let go of a version of the person that I had yeah. become uh presumably attached to because i feel the loss of it right i'm grieving so that i always like to describe grief as uh sorry i'm gonna say this real quick i like to describe grief as the experience of loving through loss right so like grief is an experience that really comes if you care if you love something Uh, but you can only really grieve but i I guess i also meant just in the sense of like you yeah. know, you spent the last three weeks, like pretty much every, pretty much every moment with this person. Right. And so, uh, there was a lot of intimacy there. There was a lot of sharing, uh, and, um, I do. Yeah. I don't know. Why am I harping on this? I guess. Cause it, cause yes, the, the loss of, of, of the, of the plan is, is, is definitely there, but I, I don't know. I feel like heartache, uh, there's a, there's a unique quality there. That's it's hard to dismiss that feeling of separation from a person that you were spending like a lot of quality time with. And, you know, that feeling of being separated from them. Yes. Uh, you know, it doesn't, doesn't feel good. <laughs> um you're not wrong i think there's there's probably a good (laughs) amount of this feeling of loss that is totally oxytocin based right and not so totally oxytocin based um right you know the that love hormone or is it a neurotransmitter i don't know what the difference is between a hormone and neurotransmitter but like the thing that happens when you touch people kiss them hug them uh you know have sex with them have an orgasm on your own literally like you have an orgasm with a person that neurotrans it's kind of i don't know if we call it the love hormone or the attachment or the caring hormone but it's a very important one for human well-being um it's like you're you can be surviving without oxytocin but like you're really thriving (laughs) when you have it to some extent and uh it calms you it reduces cortisol levels um it 
it kind of is a thing that you can even become addicted to. So like we could say perhaps that I'm grieving and maybe feeling withdrawal in, in some way, but uh, I actually, I, I don't think you're wrong. I just think that it's, it's sort of incorrect for me right. to describe it as like a loss of them when, you know, they're still part of my life to some extent, like in, in conversation, like we talked this morning um, and it's not, they're not dead. Like I think, Every the one of the things that happens when you love a person is you have to get used to the person that they are dying all the time, right? You have to get used to the version of them that you have become attached to, that you are trying to support, that you are trying to help grow, um, leaving this world, right? Maybe um, they're wounded and they used to be an athlete and now they're a depressed person who feels like they, they have nothing to live for, right? Maybe they um have suffered some kind of loss maybe they're succeeding and now they have less time for you maybe they're you know doing great and you feel like they don't want you in their life anymore um and maybe that's just a feeling but that is how you feel and they don't know how to rectify that while still enjoying the life that they're living right so Mm -hmm. now they're a different person than they were you know three days ago before they blew up on spotify right it's it's like, and maybe you're like, oh, is three days really enough to feel like a person is so different that you're never going to connect to them again? It's like, well, when they're off in a foreign country partying, right, making videos and, you know, doing all kinds of stuff that they never did when you were around and how they suddenly, you know, they used to talk to you every day and they have to run out of time for you now. Yes, it can feel very much like the person that you loved was, you just, just died. Um, whereas another person might view it as look at this person they're like thriving they just blew up that's amazing like i knew they had this in them i knew they were always (laughs) going to get there and like there are plenty of people in their life who will see them and go no they've always been this person right but (laughs) some people who are very close to them might be like they've never been like this before right so like when i say getting attached to plans i'm really talking about getting attached to stories and when I say getting attached to a story, I'm saying, honestly, that I recognize yeah. that there's a difference between the person that I love and the story that I tell myself about them. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. The stories. Yeah, I guess, it, uh, yeah, it's interesting for me because it's like I, I, I find, I guess I'm, um, I'm always wondering what what is driving what like if it's if it's my feelings that are driving my thoughts that are driving my actions or vice versa and s- sometimes uh yeah oh sorry i have i don't know if you can hear that i, I have i have neighbors um that's all right some unofficial guests on the podcast it's all right. No worries, dude. <laughs> um, anyway, what Fight was I trying Jill. to say? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting how, uh, you know, um, depending on what state I'm in, I can I can I can follow like a, a, a thought. I can really go down a rabbit hole with a certain thought pattern, and then I have to like tell myself. Oh wait, no, I'm just, I'm just this, like, I'm just hungry or, Oh, I'm just, I'm just, you know, lonely or I'm just this and like simplify 
you know, what is, what is the feeling that's driving all of, all of these stories or all of these, yeah, thoughts that I'm having, you know? That's hilarious. Please give me an example of a thought <laughs> that spiral you've gone on time. where you ended <laughs> with, I'm just hungry. Cause that <laughs> I've, I've made plans <laughs> in my head to like run away to oh my God. like anywhere, you know, like, like Japan or something. And just, I'm going to, I'm going to start a new life. I'm just going to forget English. I'm just going to forget English. I'm going to forget everything that I am. And it turned out I was just hungry. That is amazing. I have never experienced that kind of hunger in my life. Um, but I got to say, like, it was really funny because I started meditating when I was eight years old. And I remember hearing people talk about this experience of hanger <laughs> like they were hungry and angry they're like oh don't yeah. worry i'm not mad at you i'm just hangry like or i'm just hungry and i was like what do you mean why does hunger seem like rage and for me i realized <laughs> one day a couple of years ago that i do not experience hanger but i do experience yeah. had i get hungry and quiet and sad and i withdraw into myself <laughs> and people are like are you okay are you depressed what have we done and i'm just like Oh, it's that's fine. interesting. That makes me think sugar. of, the, and they're like the what? three. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's like these three systems that engage in your brain that cope with stress, and your your first system, man, I forget what it actually is in your brain, but they're, but they're, they're they're actual. This is actual neurological stuff. There's the, the the part. There's the part of your brain that when you first experience stress. You, your heart rate slows down, your breathing slows down, you get really calm, uh, and but you get really focused. And that's like your first line of defense when you're stressed out or when there's mm -hmm. some sort of problem. And what it does is it like controls the that part of the brain that like controls your facial muscles and stuff. So it's like a lot of, you know, like like you're you're engaging those facial expressions that signal to other people hey can you help me with this like i i need help and uh you know what you might call it um yeah it's just it, it, does it like you, you ever hear stories of like people being held at gunpoint and they they get like totally calm and they're just like talking to that guy like hey it's all good don't worry about it like have, have you ever been in a situation like that Right. <laughs> no, yeah, and it's interesting because it's um, like so, that's yeah, that's actually, actually it makes sense because we're we're social create like I don't know. There's this whole thing like you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, yes, I know the guy. I, I don't know. I remember him saying something to the effect of of actually that's not correct now because our our prime like our base level needs. Are be, because we depend on other people for those baseline needs like shelter and food and all that stuff like very few of us are building our houses you know constructing our shelter and foraging for our food you know we we go to the grocery store or we talk to a real estate agent or our landlord you know so we get those primary needs mm -hmm. through social engagement with other people uh, so our primary needs are social 
So it kind of, it makes Mm. sense that it's like, that's your first, your brain's first like go-to line of defense when it experiences stress is like, I'm going to calm down and I'm going to, and I'm going to be a cool guy. Befriend them. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But that's the thing. If that fails, then the second system engages and that's when your heart rate starts to go up and that's when your breathing starts to increase and that's when you hit fight or flight. And that's when you start to see people kind of lose it uh, because they're, yeah. Oh, you know, I read a book. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I read a book about, um, I think it was called uh, Fuck Your Feelings by Ryan Muncie. And he was talking about the various stress responses that we have and how the more um, developed you are, uh, as a person to sort of be in tune with the more uh, emotional control you have effectively through like developing your, your vagal tone and whatnot um, and your heart rate variability, you, you can handle stressful situations much better because your heart rate shifts are not as intense to you, right? Um, and so it's really fascinating because it's like for many people, fight or flight is one of the first things that they will do because they, they have not cultivated the ability to allow a stress response to slow them down they may even actually have so much stress that they exist in toxic stress syndrome so like even being stressed out like being stressed out is sort of like their calm baseline Mm. and fight or flight is just their response Mm. like they're not reacting they're just responding from there and that was like really interesting to to hear in in the book or to to read the book maybe to read in the book or hear in the the, what did you say the what audio book i think i might have listened to it Vagal tone. Oh, yes, uh, the vagus. There's like the Holy vagus. Shit, yeah, that, the vagus nerve. That, the massive nerve that runs the, down the center of your spine. <laughs> I don't know what it connects to, but uh, but that was definitely in the thing that I'm talking about. With the, I think it's part of the first system, or is or is that part of the fight or flight system? Yeah. Um, I yeah. would have to go and reread this. At some point, I was thinking about becoming a life coach or some shit, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna learn all about how to like develop yourself as an individual. And I learned actually a ton of things that like have helped me uh, shift who I am and how I operate in the world in more intentional ways, which was great. I like to pretend I came out fully baked, but I do still definitely have things to learn. And um, what I realized. Uh, from you know engaging in that and a bunch of other things is that the way you the way you connect with uh, information um, can can improve you and help you even if you don't consciously remember it so sometimes it actually makes sense to like you know watch a tv show or read a book just because you might pick up something positive that stays with you even if you don't consciously remember the episode you know what i mean especially because we're doing a podcast i feel like really lame because i I'm like trying to relate something I heard in an audio book and I'm like, I don't remember any of those terms. <laughs> I don't remember any of this, but I'm, I am going to, you want to like remember it, it exactly. Anyway. So you can like, you know, you want to sound like the expert. Here's what I want to say about, you know, being an expert. There's a thing about the decision-making process for people where if you are not an expert, you generally rely on mm-hmm. luck and then as you develop uh, pattern recognition, right? But then what happens is when you're in a space of expertise, you actually 
engage with uh, new problems in the thing that you're an expert in with uh, recognizing patterns, but alter uh, sort of altering uh, your actions and your choices based on how the patterns might function. You start making predictions about what is actually happening based on how the patterns that could exist interact. So like a fireman who is like a novice fireman probably tries to rely on basic training and, you know, gets lucky if they remember it. Uh, the more seasoned fireman gets to a point where, and I have to thank Tristan for, for this analogy. Um, they go, this is the protocol for what I'm supposed to do because I see this kind of fire. Uh, the more seasoned, like the veteran fireman, right? This guy looks at the fire and goes, okay, I know that this is the kind of fire I see. This is the kind of smoke I see. There's a chance that something else is happening in there. Also, precautions, I know that this kind of fire, even though it's not part of the protocol for us, uh, can cause this kind of damage to the building. So I'm going to engage with it in this way. And they are on the fly taking note of all these different kinds of potential yeah. patterns that could exist no, that, in the moment. That, uh, and they, they decide from there intuitively. Me of something else I read in a book. <laughs> um, but what was it? Atomic Habits? I don't know. He was talking about, yeah, the whole pattern recognition thing and like pe being an expert on set. Like when you make your life's work something, you're just able to see things that you don't even realize how well that you see them apart from the normal person like uh and he's relating this story of this woman who was a nurse and she was at like a barbecue and um uh yeah her father-in-law was was there and she was like i don't like how you look and he was like well i don't like how you look either and she's like no seriously we need to go to the hospital now and she saw like like she had caught like some sort of condition that like heart condition that he had like he was about to have a heart attack and she was able to recognize that just from seeing so mm -hmm. many patients just like the color in his face tipped that off to her and, yeah that is nuts <laughs> yeah yeah recognizing patterns you don't realize that you're recognizing um, but you act on them, right? And it's so interesting because now that, you know, we've gotten into this whole set of topics, um, right. I mean, I, I was going to say, like, I try to keep these oh, under God. under uh, 20 minutes, but we and this is the, the attachment we hit, episode. like the 25 minute mark or 24 minutes or something like that. Time. No, it's chill. Uh, <laughs> lol. We're not very yeah. attached to this um, topic. And that's really funny to me, but I was going to, I'm not attached to the idea of the topic. <laughs> are, are we, are we topic? Um, George. Yeah. So that's, that's nuts. I think that's super cool. <laughs> you know what? Maybe we are topic avoidance. What I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to close this one out. Um, and then I'm going to make the next one we'll about attachment with you. Uh, maybe now oh, uh, we'll man. just go back and talk about it. Um, yeah, we'll just go back and talk about it. But like you guys can, if you guys are interested in hearing the attachment, this episode, episode totally was a hot mess. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in the next podcast. Hopefully we'll be able to stay on topic, but I'm pretty sure we won't.